0: How's it going, everybody? I'm uh, actually going to, um, let me actually get this going on my other screen. Because what I'm going to do is, I'm going to broadcast my screen a little bit today. So I'm going to get that going so I can make sure that it's working. So if you see me looking over there, that's uh, what I'm looking at. Uh, what we're going to do is I've got um, I've got a website. Oh man, this hasn't been working right lately. Okay, let's do this then. For some reason, uh, it's been opening up in Safari lately, which is kind of odd. Uh, But anyway, how's everybody doing out there? Let me know how you're doing while I uh, get this stuff going. It says my meeting has been opened. And then what was the website that I wanted to look at here? Cool. Doing well. Victoria is a very senior learner considering competing for the first time. Excellent. Glad to hear it. enjoying that you don't have to do IT anymore that's pretty much like all we do so um, congratulations there so um, I know this is a little bit small what happens if I make this can I make this bigger yeah okay now um, so here's what we're gonna do today is we're gonna I'm gonna sort of do a hands-on demonstration of some of the stuff that we need to do uh, in order to be uh, in order to get ready for solos and stuff stuff like that. Now, here is the deal. If, if you guys, there's a little full screen button up at the top of the thing that you can press if you find that this is too small or if you want to see my screen a little bit bigger. Um, so if you press that, it goes to full screen. And then if not, um, it doesn't. And then there's also new zoom buttons that Adobe Connect has, which are pretty cool too. So um, if you need to see it bigger, that's what I would press. Um, for now, I've got this nice and big on my screen over here. I'm actually using this computer to, uh, to show you guys stuff. Um, so here, here's the reason I'm at ANAPABA. What ANAPABA is, it's the Alliance of North American Pipe Band Associations, uh, and it's something that um, the North American Pipe Band Associations have done in the past, I don't know, it might actually be close to 20 years now. Um, I'm sure there's a history of it uh, somewhere um, somewhere around here. But you can see it's got a uh, board of directors and different things going on. Uh, but the cool thing about this is, um, and we'll, we'll talk about overseas in a little while, but the cool thing is if you're anywhere in North America, this is going to give you the links that you need uh, in order to seek out the pro- the appropriate um solo competing information. And frankly, if you're a band thinking about competing, you could go to the same thing. So here's links to member pipe band associations right here. And we have Alberta, Atlantic Canada, British Columbia. Here's where most of us are from, or at least most of us uh, near us here at the dojo. We're all PBA. Midwest Pipe Band Association, so on and so forth. If you're not entirely sure, like if you're in Ohio, right, which one do you register for? Well, that could be a little bit tricky because uh, there's people in Ohio that are members of both associations. So you, you're going to have to contact your, um, your bagpiping friends and peers and stuff to figure stuff out. Or you could ask us. We could probably help you. Uh, but generally speaking, it's pretty straightforward where you need to be registered generally speaking. Okay, so so that's anapaba.org. You can see it there, but anapaba.org. Anyway, let's use, um, we're going to use our home association as an example, uh, the Eastern United States Association. So let's say I'm interested in competing. Well, there's a whole bunch of questions, technicalities, and of course we have to register and get signed up and stuff. You can, you um, in the 21st century, you can do pretty much everything you need to do, starting with your association's web page um, as a jumping off point. So here is the EOS PBA. Um, let me try and make it a little bit bigger again for you. So here, uh, here's the EOS PBA for us. And there's a whole bunch of stuff here, and it's not always the easiest to navigate. But, um, you know, if you need to express, renew... Uh, You could all do this. Has your email address changed? You know, most associations will keep an email list to keep you um, informed. And what I really like uh, here on the USPBA site is we have a really comprehensive calendar of every uh, key event that happens. So if if we want to go to the Arkansas Scottish Festival, um, we'll have to find the uh, entry forms. Uh, Let's see. Are there any links here? I'm not quite sure. We might need to go to competition calendar. But even that. Oh yeah, here we go. So it does drop down. Perfect. So we do have drop downs here at the Eospba. So if I wanted to register for this event. Um, I could use this calendar. But let's do the first things first. In uh, every association that I'm aware of, you need to register. You need to become a member before you're going to be allowed to compete. Okay? So we can log in, create an account. We can do this. We have PDF forms. Um, I actually haven't done this in a long time because um, I was always a member and I always just sort of auto-renewed. I wonder what my username and password is. Let's see if I can find out. Actually, uh, we could also create a new account. This might be uh, nope, didn't like that. No, nah, it still doesn't like it. I have no idea. We could create a new account. Please enter a different username. So I, <laughs> so that must have been it, right? It didn't like it. Let's try some of these different passwords. Who knows how to get into this thing? Ah, well, forget it. I could recover lost password. Ha! genius. I should have done that like 13 tries ago. Um, let me see if I can recover it here. Aha. Oh, my password is a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Um, which is all very interesting. Um, so it has indeed been sent to me. Hold on, let me type it in. I just kind of want to. I just kind of want to do the hands-on thing today. So sorry if this is a little bit redundant. Just so you can sort of see, um, you know, what you might have to do. So, so I am grabbing this password. Okay. Now let's try this again. Okay, so now I'm logged in, which. Uh, you know, so now I could do stuff like express renewal, right? And I can pay now, um, and I, I should be able to uh, register as a new member as well. I think I could do that with PDF forms. So here's, I think you have to for the when you first register for the USPBA. Carl, do you know if that's right, or can I can I register from scratch online?
1: Now I have. No idea if you can do it from scratch online yeah. or not. Um, yeah, it's
0: interesting.
1: It's because we've been members for
0: so long that they don't, I don't think they had the internet when I joined the USPBA. Um, but uh, but anyway, so you can membership forms. Anyway, you'll be able to find that. Let's do another example. Let's um, let's go back like. Uh, here's, uh, I, I used to live in British Columbia, and I was a member of the B.C. Pipers Association. Uh, so we can, we're going to be able to sort of find the same thing on this site, right? Here's membership. Uh, let's see. So here's a membership application and renewal. Right? So uh, I could do the same sort of things here. Um, let's see. Click join us. Perfect. Cool. And then, you, you know, it gives you directions to become a member. All right, let's do one more example.
1: Uh, let's do,
0: Oh yeah, you, you um, were telling me about this.
1: Yeah, I just did this. It was awesome. Man, was it easy? Everything's online. And Individual even your requests are online. It was so cool.
0: Click here to register online. Paper forms no longer available. I think that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So anyway, if I wanted to. I could do that
1: yeah I'd almost recommend everyone become a member of the MWPBA just because it was so easy <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was actually like a pleasant experience to do
0: isn't that crazy
1: yeah god forbid
0: well and, and it's all headed that way eventually and it's one of those things where you know there's so so many logistics and finding a good website person is hard to do um, but uh, all the websites are really coming along well Um, So anyway, there you go, folks. So that's the first thing that you have to do when you register for solos is to um, register yourself as a member of the association. Okay. Um, And once you're registered in one association, don't worry too much about if you go traveling to a different one. Usually, as long as you're registered in your home association, you'll be allowed to compete elsewhere. So for example... Um, when I go and compete in the PPDSO, which is in Ontario, um, it's usually perfectly fine for me to do that, and I just give them my EUSPBA number, which is actually around here somewhere. Yeah, here it is. So I I got this registration card in the mail. I give them the number on my EUSPBA card, and they will allow me to compete. Now, if you want to actually be... Uh, kept in the standings for the points. That's usually the point at which you really have to register as a member of their association as well. So uh, here, looks like looks like uh, PPBSO has also revamped their website. So that's pretty cool. Pretty neat stuff.
1: Okay. Um, um,
0: Looks like they're working on forming a Quebec Piping and Drumming Society. Interesting. Um, good stuff. So, anyway, back to the PBA. That's going to be our home base for today. Now that I'm a member, um, I, you know, there's all sorts of cool stuff. Most uh, associations will have um, all sorts of different information. Um, you know, I would recommend, especially if you're new to the game, I would recommend reading through all this stuff. You know, just take your time with it. Um, but, you know, competition rules and regulations. Uh, how, you know, how do competitions work? What are the rules? Uh, what can you do? What can't you do? Uh, there's by, bylaws. You know, I think, you know, it's kind of mumbo-jumbo. You don't have to do it, but I'm interested to know what bylaws govern our association. right? Um, and... You know, policy manual. I think that's mostly for people who are running events. They they would print out that manual. Contractual guidelines between adjudicators and games and stuff like that. Okay. It looks like they're developing some sort of championship rule, uh, which is kind of interesting. But um, anyway, uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, I'm not sure what the circle of honor is. Cool. So they have inductees, sort of like a Hall of Fame. Um, We have in the USPDA what's called the Voice Magazine, which at the moment is uh, uh, edited by John Bottomley. So here's how to subscribe to that. Usually as a member, you automatically receive a subscription, uh, news and announcements. We talked about membership. Here's all the stuff about competing, results, competition calendar, info for competitors. I wonder what's in this. Yeah, this is cool, by the way. A Beginner's Guide to the World of Piping and Drumming Competition. What happens if I click this? Cool. So this is really cool. Even if you're not a member of the EOSPVA, this is probably really informative. Cool. That's really neat. So that's a little PDF guide. Uh, Yeah, and then here's how to upgrade grading review process which is pretty cool. All right. Um, info for monitors and stewards. So that those are the people who help out with solo competing stuff. These are just more links to the um, registration forms. So let's go back to the competition calendar now. So here is my competition calendar for the EOSPBA. And I'm not from Arkansas... Virginia, North Carolina, here's Southern Maryland, okay, now uh, in years past we've talked about uh, going down there as a band and this, that and the other thing. So if I click on this, it gives me all the information that I need in order to register. Um, Here's the registration form, let's click on this puppy. So each games has a registration form. Unfortunately, in the EUSPVA, most of these are still uh, done using print forms, which is kind of a pain, but it's not the end of the world. Okay, so print this thing out, fill it out, and um, it gives you entry fee. This is how much you have to pay to enter. Amount enclosed, date. It's got some rules. So there you go. So that's what I would fill out if I wanted to compete. My guess is that there's a deadline on here somewhere. Did anybody spot the deadline? Let's play Spot the Deadline. Yeah, I don't see it, but I'm sure there is one. Uh, generally speaking, you know, you want to enter a few months before a contest anyway, right? Because you want to make sure you're prepared properly.
1: Well, so you know, uh, you want to register nice and early? Because... I don't know. What is it? You get better placings, and usually later in the day, if you're the last I'm one to sure register for... Grade four, grade four senior, you're going to be on at 8 a.m. sharp if <laughs> you registered the week before. Um,
0: yeah. I think that's a great policy, but I don't think that's actually true. I think technically they have to do a draw.
1: I don't think that's true. I'm not sure about that. I
0: don't know how they do that.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure it's order of received for solo. Yeah.
0: Cameron says probably in the bylaws. Uh, probably not in the bylaws.
1: Yeah, because uh, it would be up to the games specifically.
0: Yeah, a lot of times, a lot of times they just sort of put people in um, sort of uh, discretionary order depending on other events they might be doing at the time as well. So it's uh, one of those interesting things. Um, I I love the idea of um, uh, order of play has to do with when the. Entry form is received. Um, I think that's a great idea because it encourages everybody to get entered nice and early, right? I remember when we were in British Columbia, at least for a little while, that I think that was the policy. And I remember Yori, who was Yori Chisholm, who was really on top of things. He was always on last, you know, just because because he was really on top of his entry forms. Yeah, so. Um, Russell says no draw for individuals. Okay. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what the rule is. I don't concern myself too much with it um, because uh, I just try and get my entry form in early, and if I'm on first, I'm on first. Uh, Certainly for the bigger, more important competitions, they'll do a draw. Okay. Uh, But anyway, that's an entry form. Let's do one or two more. Let's just at least show you. Uh, Let's see. Here's Colonial. Highland Gathering. I actually already uh, entered for this. Okay, so there's no entry form here necessarily, but if I go to their website, and this is kind of common, by the way. If I go to their website and... Um, it can t- be tough to find it sometimes, but here's piping and drumming. And then here's the entry form. Now, I don't know why they don't put a link to this on the USPBI site, but it's probably just an oversight. Okay, so here's this entry form. Um, whoops, I accidentally closed that out. Rats. Where was I? There we go. Uh, let's look at one. One of one of the games that I'm looking forward to competing at is. Uh, Loon Mountain Games. That's much later in the year. Let's see. I bet you they don't have an entry form out yet.
1: No, it's not up yet. I checked the other day. It says spring.
0: Yeah, so here you go. Competition registration, spring of 2014. Yeah, so they'll they'll uh, they'll get that up, uh, and you just kind of have to stay on top of it, right? I like to set little reminders in my iPhone. By the way, a lot of people don't know this about the iPhone, um, and so I'll show you. I go like this. So it will be available in spring of 2014. So I'm going to say, remind me to uh, submit my moon-mounted application on uh, – Whoops. <laughs> <something like that. laughs> you should not the stop, stop. I wanted to show off. Okay. But let me try this again. Remind me on April 15th to submit my Loon Mountain registration.
1: Here's
0: your reminder for Tuesday at 9 a.m. Yeah. So. Do I it? Yes. Okay, I'll remind you. Cool. And anyway, uh, whatever date I say there, it'll remind me. Or if I want to make sure, you know, by August that I have it up. Yeah uh, I, as I recall, Loon Mountain has a really early cutoff date, so you, you actually have to be really careful about that uh, in my experience, okay. So So anyway, that's how I would um, that's how I would do that. Let's go back to BCpipers.org. Um, let's just see how they do it. I think they' um, they're moving, by the time I left, they had really um, started to move more towards online registration. So let's, uh, let's see here, entry forms, annual gathering, Bellingham, it looks like they have it all here, let's check out Bellingham, it looks like maybe not everything is uh, is electronic yet, although maybe it is. Look, there it is. So, Bellingham is electronic now. So, let's do professional solo events. I don't understand this. Professional solo events, BCPA member 2 events. Cool, so anyway, let's say, uh, I guess if, I'm not sure how many events there are, but I bet you if I clicked register. Yeah, they're using this, by the way, they're using a service called eventbrite.com, it would appear. So, it's so cool, really, really cool. Okay, so here's your waiver, here's your other information. Good for them. I think that's really, really cool. So that's how I would register for Bellingham. Skagit Valley was one of my uh, favorite games. Um, a little-known fact about the Skagit Valley games is, um, at least at the time, uh, a guy named Sky Reichendeifer, who sort of puts together, uh, if not the whole, you know, if he's not the sort of... Uh, One of the main organizers. He's certainly heavily involved, and he was also the mayor of, uh, I want to say, is it Mount Vernon where Skagit Valley is? I want to say, and he's also a really, really good piper and used to play uh, at least for a while in the SFU pipe band. So Um, it was always kind of cool, very hospitable place to play. Uh, Here's Piping and Drumming Entry form 2014. Looks like Skagit Valley is still kind of... um, Old school. Well, that's OK. All right. Uh, so anyway, you guys are getting bored with that, I'm sure. But that's how I would register. Now, let's. Um, do we have any questions so far about any of this stuff? Everybody good? Oh, cool. Yeah, we used to do a concert uh, as well, I want to say, sometime in the spring. We used to do a concert with uh, Sky, uh, you know, to fund, fundraise and stuff like that. I remember I really sort of botched a solo at one of those shows once. <laughs> uh, but that was, um, that was pretty cool. Just interesting uh, tidbit of information there. Cool. I want to go back to that. Um, I want to go back to that thing that they have on the USPDA site. Uh, let's go back to so you want to compete. Let's let's hit some of these bullet points here. Okay. So we talked about how to register. How does the grading system work? This is sort of a good question. So there's a few of us here today who are just getting into solo competing. Here are the list of the different grades. And so in piping, we have we have an amateur um, we have an amateur grade five practice chanter thing, which isn't all that common. But I remember I did it. Uh, I took a couple prizes in the grade five practice chanter when I was little, and then. Grade four is the entry-level solo grade, and in the USPBa, it's divided into junior and senior grades, okay? From there, you graduate into, in all ages, grade three, okay? And when you win enough prizes um, and do well enough in the standings to get moved up, you move to grade two, then to grade one, and then ultimately to professional. Okay, so your first level of competition is grade four. Here's snare drummers. Well, skip that for now, just kidding, probably will. Okay, Um, here's an interesting um, bullet point here. What is the difference between a sanctioned and a non-sanctioned contest? Okay, so a sanctioned contest is basically, short version, a sanctioned contest has registered with the USPBA and they're gonna follow all the rules and regulations um, that the EUSPBA um, needs them to follow in order to sanction them, at which point all the results will count towards the standings, everything will be official, and it really counts. Meanwhile, sometimes, sometimes there's non-sanction contests, and anybody can do that. You just kinda of get together, pick a judge, and have a competition, right? Um, and so, anyway, um, if you wanna get points, and if you want your results to count towards a potential upgrade, you've got to make sure that you're playing at a sanctioned contest. Patty says, when you compete with a chanter, how would you dress? Um, interestingly enough, it doesn't really matter. Um, so grade five practice chanter is not really a sanctioned thing. Anybody can do it. And frankly, uh, you could probably uh, register on the day. Uh, maybe not, though. I don't know. But anyway, um, when I first did mine, I was not in a kilt. And then my second and third time doing it, I think I did wear a kilt. Um, but yeah, I would recommend dressing nice, but it doesn't have to be in a kilt. Yeah, did khakis and a button-down shirt. Cool. And I think that's totally fine. Good question, though. All right, so that's the difference between sanctioned and non-sanctioned. How does the EOSPBA determine how I'm doing in comparison to someone else? So this is a good question. This has to do more with, you know, what's going to happen when you start to win a little bit, start to take some prizes, and you start to think about the next grade level. Okay? And this paragraph goes exactly how EOSPBA scores points. But the bottom line is, when you compete, it's kind of like baseball, right? Every time you compete, you acquire a certain number of points or stats, and then the, uh, those stats are all compiled. And then you can say, okay, at the end of the season, I had 36 points. Um, and, you know, there were two people ahead of me, so I was third overall, and then other people had this number of points. And then you could sort of do an analysis, and you can say, all right, what are the top players in the grade this year? Those people should move up. Okay, you could also say, you know, well, this guy doesn't have as many points as the other guy, but the number of points per event that he scored was really high. So you can sort of tell the winning percentage, if you know what I mean. So if I only play at three events, but each event had a bunch of people there and I won every single time, well, I'm definitely a candidate to be upgraded. Although in the higher grades, sometimes they're not going to be that impressed if you only went out three times. They're, they might want to see someone who's more committed to uh, going around to the games and competing. Five says, should I send for applications to competitions or will someone automatically send me applications to upcoming events? The answer is, uh, well, it says you will receive some brochures automatically. Yeah. So some of them you'll get automatically
1: uh, count in, on. if
0: they're on top of things.
1: What's that, Carl? I wouldn't count on them automatically sending anything. You just want to go onto the website and print them off yourself.
0: Mhm. Oh, here's a, this answers our question from before. How far in advance should I enter a contest if no cutoff date is listed in a flyer? Okay. As soon as possible... It'll be in their brochure. Depending on the contest, it can range from one to four weeks. So on the safe side, you want to make sure you are looking, you know, a minimum of four weeks in advance. Meredith says, what would be a good goal for a grade four senior just starting to compete? How many games per year? Uh, That's a good question. I would do... um, you know, if you're in a band, generally speaking, a good way to start, maybe in year one, is to just play solos wherever your band is also going. So that might be a handful, three to five different events, um, and to just play a little bit of solos. Um, and then moving forward from there, you know, it, once you get more serious, once you get a taste for it and you want to be more successful, I would recommend, you know, trying to find you know, as many as you can possibly do, um, while still remaining uh, in human form, not turning into a bagpipe zombie. Um, so, you know, anywhere from six to twelve is a great number, and you know, you can spread that across the year and go to what you can reach. You'll make some friends, and it'll become a little bit of a social thing. It's pretty cool. Um, when you're just starting, though, I would just do a small handful. And then then the following year, you can really ramp it up from there. Once you get hungry for victory, you're going to be finding all the ones you can possibly do, and you're going to do it. That's what happened to me. Good question. And as far as what your musical goals are when you're first starting, don't worry about winning right away. Just worry about um, presenting good music and and being comfortable and enjoying yourself, right? It's really easy to get worked up and to put weird pressure on yourself, but it's supposed to be fun. And by the way, the judges are there to help you, and and they're excited to see new people competing as well. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a really positive thing. Meredith says, I know someone who did 19 games in one year. Yeah, uh, definitely happens. Yeah, there were years where I probably did Close to that many, probably. You know, once once you get the bug, you know, you're going to go wherever you can go, and yeah, not having a job helps. I agree with Tom. All right, what is the routine? Where do where do you go first when you get to the games? Every games should have a piping and drumming registration desk. Whoops, should uh, where you can check in. Okay, it could be in a tent, could be in a building. Uh, here's the way, if, if you just want to keep it really simple and always know where to find it, look for a piper that's wearing a competitor number and ask them where they got it, and that will be the piping and drumming registration desk. Okay, and then uh, usually they, they ask you to wear a number on your kilt. That's how they keep track of you. That's how the stewards find you. All the paperwork and all the score sheets and stuff is going to happen at that table. Will people at the registration need to see all my paperwork? Always bring your EOSPBA card or at least know your EOSPBA number, right? But other than that, you don't really need to bring a whole bunch of paperwork. Um, You know, I don't know. If you're really super worried about it, you could bring a copy of your registration form or something like that. Um, One of the big things about registering is you should always get something back, you know, acknowledging that you're registered and that might be worth compiling into a folder that you keep in your pipe case in case someday you get to an event and they don't have your registration for some reason
1: a couple of years ago I almost showed up to a games that I thought I had registered for and I ended up emailing them a week before and just saying hey I'm I'm registered right so it was like in my calendar as having sent the registration form and so lo and behold, I don't know whether I never sent it or it never got there, but I wasn't registered, and I would have driven like four hours to get there and not yeah. have been able to play. So it's good to keep track of that. Yeah, How's that lunch?
0: Going pretty good over there.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see. How do you find where you're supposed to play? Blah, blah, blah. That's kind of boring. Let's move forward. Um, How do I select a location to warm up? How much should I play before competition? Ooh, these are getting hard. How close is too close to another piper or drummer? Be considerate of other competitors. I like that. That's the general rule. Uh, Keep a distance away. The further the better. Some of them are specific about where you can warm up, some of them are not. And then this this stuff is kind of interesting. As far as how long you should warm up, that's sort of up to your personal strategy. Here, like, these are some good tips. Think about the weather. Don't overplay. You should know your own instrument. and how to keep it sounding the best. Ah, use appropriate apparel. This is interesting. Highland dress, kilt, dress shirt, tie if you choose, kilt hose, flashes, ghillie bros or dress shoes, jacket or vest, which is optional if it's very hot, rain cape or coat if it's raining, Mor or Glengarry. Um, you know there, there are sometimes special rules for women. Women have a couple more dress options. Yeah bottom line is wear a kilt. Um, wear a kilt, wear a shirt and a tie at the very minimum, right? And then you have to, and then just have a hat in case you never know. Checking in for events. So once you're all registered, you've got your competitor number, you're gonna to want to seek out your competitor location. They'll have a list at the at the main desk. You you wanna go and find it, and then you wanna check in with your steward. Um Yeah. This is this is kind of cool. You wanna find the steward, but here's the key thing. Don't interrupt an event to contact the steward. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than like shouting at the steward during a nice peebrock or something, right? So uh, don't don't be crazy about it. Um, you can usually wait until you know the steward has a chance to get to you, and you can speak quietly together. The steward will give you an approximately an approximate time. For you to play, here's a key one your time could change if other players don't show up or end up breaking down. Um, You just got to kind of keep an eye on things once you're in the zone, right? How to introduce yourself to the judge. Just tell them who you are and uh, tell them what tunes you want to play. How long to tune up. I like this. You know, when we first start competing, it's in your best interest to have someone else tune you up. Just someone who's experienced with tuning. Um, And then if that's the case, don't just fire up and start playing. Um, fire up, play a couple of notes, maybe a little bit of a nice slow air to calm yourself down and then get started. It's really easy to get started and just go crazy with it. (laughs) I like this. Don't expect them to make miracles. If you ask me to tune you up, you can expect a miracle. So you can disregard that point. Here's a, here's a big one. If you make a mistake or miss a part or if something really, really bad happens, should you stop playing, which is otherwise known as a breakdown? The answer is no, keep going. Um, I think there are exceptions to this rule. So in general, you want to keep going, finish the tune, um, and that at least you'll get some comments about how you played, even though you'll probably be at the bottom of the barrel. But see, that's not necessarily true especially in grade four, sometimes, um, even though technically perhaps a player should be disqualified if a drone goes out or if they miss a part, sometimes the rest of it has so much merit that it doesn't actually rule you out altogether.
1: Yeah, I had um, a student who played over the weekend uh, in grade four junior who definitely uh, – there was a moment there where i'm I'm listening outside the room it's like oh is she gonna break down is she gonna break down and she didn't kept going and ended up with first place uh, in that mm-hmm. event and she you know she just missed a few notes here and kind of garbled the end of of uh of a bar but uh, she got right back into it did awesome and won first place so um yeah you definitely want to keep going in most situations
0: it depends Um, There's a couple here are a couple of exceptions Um, if it's you know um, if it's like a P Brock and you're absolutely not prepared don't put the judge through um, a whole really unprepared performance you know that that's just going to sort of waste time if you know what I mean so it's one thing if you're really well prepared and aside from the one big mistake you made the rest of the tune is going to be nice and musical Right. Um, if you know it's going to be a disaster, if you know that you know you really don't have your stuff together, um, you know, and th- you're not going to be able to present very much that's musical, um, I would I would call it quits. Sometimes you just wing it to see what happens, uh, but you know, just be sensitive, especially if it's like an 18 minute bebrock and you you left out like, you know, three bars. Bruce has a great question. Is it okay to stop and restart? The answer is, once you've started your tune, uh, you cannot stop and restart again. You can stop and restart as many times as you want during your tune-up, okay? But once the tune officially starts, you're committed. So you can't stop and restart. You also can't play the first couple of bars and then stop and then start again. You'll see that all the time, you know? Something bad happens in the first couple bars, and people try to restart. Unfortunately, that's considered um, a disqualification, at least the vast majority of the time. But that's a great question, right?
1: Once you're you're in, you're in. Masterful creator of going into a different tune automatically after that first mistake, (laughs) kind of covering it up with a different tune that's still part of your, quote, tuning routine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely so. So the the thing about breaking down is um, you, you should keep going, but sometimes breaking down is the right thing to do, you know, or, uh, you know.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: It is a bad habit. It, and it, it does, you know, I remember for me I had a phase. I had a phase where I broke down like three times in a row or something. And it was like, you know, you could become a perfectionist and just, like, want to quit every time something goes wrong. So that's why it's best to stick with it. So where do you find the results? Go back to the main desk, and the results will be posted very close to there. What do you do with your score sheet? Um, You want to show it to your teacher. If you win, you want to show it off to all your friends. And, uh, you know, try and learn from it. I like this, hang it on the refrigerator when you get home. Yeah, here's a good one. If you got a question for the judge, it's perfectly acceptable to catch up with that judge later, like once all the competitions are over, and ask them questions. So you'll often see them maybe at a lunch break, or you'll, you'll go by them, or maybe you'll see them uh, at mass bands or after mass bands in the beer tent, um, it's perfectly acceptable and all judges are more than happy to answer questions that you have about how you could really improve. A lot of times you'll get insight from the judge if, you know, if you ask respectfully, a lot of times you'll get insight as to, you know, the real reason that you didn't win or the real thing that made Carl, you know, a little bit better than you, um, which sometimes they don't put on the sheet. Uh, But they'll let you know just, um, you know, casually.
1: And bring your score sheet just in case. I mean, as that little paragraph is is pointing out, they can sometimes have heard, you know, many, many competitors in a day. Um, That little score sheet that they wrote will help jog their memory about your specific um, performance. So it's good to have that on hand if you want to go talk to them.
0: Yeah, Bruce is asking, if you break down, do they still judge you? Um, they might. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they put down the pen and, um, and just listen once it's over. Um, and, then do you, and then you won't get a score, right? You'll get a breakdown, which is actually recorded in, in the records. So it's sort of like a did not finish in a race. Not the end of the world. Just don't let it happen every single time, right? And then here's a good last question. What does Piper of the Day or Drummer of the Day mean? That means out of all the events in your grade, you had the best score. That's what that means. So you might have a first, a second, and a fourth, right? But that might be the best score out of anyone else, so you could be Piper of the Day. Or you could have two firsts and a not uh, and, and a no place, right? And then someone could have three seconds and beat you. Okay, so, um, and generally speaking, they'll go by that EUSPBA scoring conventions in order to determine the Piper of the day, which is kind of cool. All right, I think that's enough. Of, you know, um, Thanks for those who do compete for your, your patience in checking it out. Maybe you picked up a couple of little things, and then hopefully this show will serve as a, um, a good guide to solo competing for you guys. Let us know any final questions before we wrap up the show here for today. Let's see, a couple people are typing. So, Meredith says, if you only do one march, then you could not possibly win Piper of the Day. Um, it's probably still possible, but it's unlikely, right? You pretty much will need to compete and take a prize in at least the majority of the events that are offered on the day. So, if it's your first year competing and you're only doing a march, that's fine, Uh, but uh, you'll probably not be in the running for Piper of the Day. Not a big deal, right? You don't get any points for Piper of the Day. It's just sort of a pride thing. The points you get have to do with the competition that you enter. Okay. Don has an excellent question. If you do three events, he wants to know if he's going to have time to get to all of them, or might the times conflict? The answer is it's definitely possible that the times will conflict, okay? In that case, it's your responsibility to probably get there a little bit early um, and let the stewards at the different events know that your times might conflict. And a lot of times the steward will come back and say, well, would you like to play this event a little bit earlier or a little bit later? And you can juggle times to make things easier for yourself. But the answer to that question is it's up to you to sort of Get a feel for what things might conflict, and to coordinate with the stewards of the events. Okay, if the times conflict and you don't arrive at an event and your steward doesn't know about it, then uh, you could get disqualified. So that's why, you know, if you're playing all three events, get there nice and early, evaluate things, and um, you know, do your best to just let the steward know. Here's here's the best thing to do: just get there early, let the steward know I'm definitely here. Um, there's, uh, you know, I, I am competing over there in a little while, so if I'm late, that's why. And it's usually pretty okay. Just try to be as communicative as possible. Victoria says, "Is it necessary to march while playing?" I believe technically you do not have to march in grade four, but then um, all other grades, it is a rule that you have to march to a march. With that said, I highly recommend marching. In a march, even though it's not technically a rule, just because it's something you're going to have to do anyway, I feel like it does justice to the art form, and um, you know, it's just sort of the right thing to to do. You know. Andrew says, "Is it fair to say that if a piper does really well in one event, they will be close in the other events?" No, not necessarily. I'm not quite sure what you're getting at with that question. Not necessarily. I mean, you have, there's things that are different about each event. And so if you struggle with a certain type of tune, um, you could you could win the Peabrock but do poorly in the light music. That's pretty common. Yeah, and Don is asking about meandering in a peab. Yeah, so the peab walk, you know, just sort of, gradually moving around the competing space, I would highly recommend doing that. I don't think it's required, necessarily, but that's just sort of the culture of it. Uh, I would recommend moving in the slow air, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know why I recommend that. It's just sort of, that's what pipers do, you know. so yeah. Andrew has been scared to walk off the boards while in a trance. Um, yeah, don't go into a trance. Uh, it's your job to put the judge into a trance, but I, you know you have to be pretty conscious during a P-Rock for a variety of reasons. Keep your wits about you. So you gotta stay focused. <laughs> And if you're scared that you're going to walk off the boards, just make sure someone's there to catch a YouTube video on it because that puppy will go viral. You can make tons of money in advertising if that happens. All right, guys. Let's wrap it up there. It looks like we might have one more question. From Ephraim. Okay, I'm really glad that uh, people found this helpful. You can always contact us if you have any questions at all about anything about bagpipes. So Ephraim is just sort of wondering, do judges watch or you know compare how you're marching to your actual tempo the answer is yeah i mean the judge is going to have a good idea whether or not you have a good tempo or not so whether you know you're marching don't worry too much about it try to march in the rhythm of the tune and i think you'll do just
1: fine yeah i think marching on the offbeat would probably be ill-received but not necessarily i mean if you didn't make any mistakes uh, I know Keegan uh, did that for one contest once.
0: Yeah, it happens. Just go for it. That's my advice. Don't worry too much about <laughs> sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Um, it'll all come out in the wash. And a big part of doing this is to learn how to become better musicians. Don't forget that. So the judge will do everything they can to help you. Uh, it doesn't matter how many competitions you lose as long as you, you're able to win that first competition that you win someday. All right. That's it, folks. We'll see you next week.